FT Weekend is an arts and culture podcast, but we don't just give you reviews or tell you what to stream next. We bring you in-depth stories on what's happening in culture globally, from the secret world of book reviewing to Disney's identity crisis. It's nice to meet you. I'm Lila Raptopoulos. I'm the host of FT Weekend, and I would love for you to join me every Saturday for a little trip through big ideas in food, culture, and the arts. Follow FT Weekend wherever you listen. Hi, I'm Alessandra Tejeda. I'm one of the writers and producers behind Womanica, and I'm also a writer on As She Rises, another Wonder Media Network show. As She Rises is about personalizing the elusive magnitude of climate change through the power of poetry and the stories of climate activists. These themes are always on my mind, which is why I'm excited to guest host this episode for our Eco Warriors Month. We'll be talking about women fighting for conservation and ecological justice. Today, we're talking about a scientist, illustrator, and educator. She was a pioneer in higher education for women and also ensured future generations could learn about nature and the environment around them. Let's meet Anna Botsford Comstock. Anna was born in 1854 on a farm in a town called Cataraugus in western New York. She was an only child and spent her early days living in a log cabin on the edge of an orchard. Anna's mother loved nature and passed that love on to Anna. Anna later wrote, My hours of great happiness were when she would go into the fields and woods with me. When Anna was three, the family moved from the log cabin to a frame house at the edge of a forest. It was a step up in terms of accommodations, but the family still farmed and was largely self-sufficient. They grew wheat, corn, vegetables, and livestock. They also spun yarn and tapped the trees for maple sugar. School was also very important for Anna as a child. She attended a rural schoolhouse about a half mile from her home. Because their house was nearby, the teachers often stayed with Anna's family. She took a special liking to these educators who brought new and intriguing ideas into her life. Anna did have a rebellious streak though. Around the age of 10 or 11, she started acting out in class, climbing trees and running from teachers when they tried to chastise her. Anna and a classmate also started experimenting with swear words. One afternoon, they saw a caterpillar on a fence. The two girls hurled bad name after bad name at the creature until it reared up and swung itself back and forth. This alarmed Anna and her friend so much, they quickly changed their ways. No more cruel words for the insect. At 14, Anna got a taste of her own medicine when she started filling in as a teacher at the local school. She instructed her students in all sorts of subjects, from math to ecology. There wasn't a public high school at the time, but Anna was able to attend a prep school called the Chamberlain Institute. She graduated in 1873. The next year, she enrolled at Cornell University. The school was only in its sixth year at the time. Cornell is where Anna met John Henry Comstock. At the time, he was a master's student and one of her zoology lecturers. He was also one of the few entomologists at the university. Throughout their courtship, they sat together at the dining hall and would collect moss and autumn leaves together, walking around the gorge. When they first met, Anna and John were both planning to marry other people. But after years of getting to know one another, they married each other in 1878. Harry, as he came to be known, was hired as a professor at Cornell, and they settled into a life together on campus. Anna would help him with his research. In particular, she would illustrate his lectures. She paid keen attention to detail and even won awards for her drawings. 
Eventually, Anna went back to Cornell to finish her degree. She took classes in science and wood engraving so that she could learn to create more detailed illustrations. Anna graduated in 1885 and even became the third woman to join the American Society of Wood Engravers. As the 1800s were coming to a close, life was changing for Americans. More young people were moving away from rural areas and into cities. The fear was they might lose knowledge of the natural world. Enter the nature study movement. The movement encouraged teachers to help kids to learn by doing, touching, and experiencing the world around them. It was a pedagogy similar to Anna's own educational experience as a young girl. Back at Cornell, Anna teamed up with another professor and botanist, Liberty Hyde Bailey. Together, they led the nature study program at Cornell. In 1911, Anna also wrote a tome of a textbook called The Handbook of Nature Study. At more than 900 pages in length, the book is part teaching guide, part reference text, complete with Anna's signature illustrations. In the book, she wrote, Nature study is, despite all discussions and perversions, a study of nature. It consists of simple, truthful observations that may, like beads on a string, finally be threaded upon the understanding and thus held together as a logical and harmonious whole. Anna saw the nature study movement as important for both students and teachers. Perhaps if teachers could spend more time outdoors, they'd also be less stressed and exhausted by their jobs. And students would in turn be more engaged and have more concern for the natural world. Meanwhile, Anna had become an assistant professor at Cornell, the first woman to hold such a position. However, the trustees objected to a woman professor, so her title was later downgraded to lecturer. While teaching at the Nature Study School at Cornell, she ran summer programs for hundreds of rural and urban teachers. Anna and her husband later turned their focus to writing books about insects for children's teachers. They published a handful of books about bees, spiders, butterflies, and other insects. In 1921, Anna gave her final lecture as a professor at Cornell, though she never entirely stopped teaching. Anna died in 1930. The Nature Study Handbook, translated into eight languages, remains an important tool for educators, even today. All month, we're highlighting eco-warriors. For more information, find us on Facebook and Instagram at Womanica Podcast. Special thanks to Liz Kaplan and the rest of the Ashy Rises team. Talk to you tomorrow. Hey, Womanica listeners, it's Grace Lynch, one of the writers and producers of Womanica and host of another WMN original show, As She Rises. All month long, we've been highlighting eco-warriors, women who paved the way for today's environmental activists and changemakers. To learn more about the contemporary women who benefited from these eco-warriors, I highly encourage you to listen to As She Rises. Climate change often feels untouchable. Other times, we're so close to it that it's exhausting. It begs the question, how can we understand the climate crisis when we're living through it? Enter season two of As She Rises, a podcast centering Native voices and women of color that personalizes the elusive magnitude of climate change. As She Rises combines poetry and storytelling to offer an intimate look at the climate crisis. Each week, hear from poets and experts local to one place in the U.S. and territories. From the coral reefs of American Samoa to the sacred land of the Pueblo Nation, we learn how climate change is affecting hometowns and what communities are doing to address it. 
Listen and follow As She Rises wherever you get your podcasts.